The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this, I will put, pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich Toward God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. It has been a few years now since Marie Kondo's book, The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up, was a number one New York Times bestseller, but perhaps some of you can remember the question at the heart of her decluttering process. If you know it, say it with me. Does this spark joy? Exactly. The KonMari method, as it's known, promises that once you work the process, you'll never have to do it again. It's one and done, resulting in a decluttered, well-organized home for good. The book inspired a movement. People took to their closets, to their garages, their basements, and their kitchens, sorting through every single article of clothing, all of their books, CDs, DVDs, documents, and paper, and every single piece of memorabilia. Think photographs, videotapes, home movies, scrapbooks, and the like. And yes, that is the method. Every single item is evaluated one at a time. The movement then led to a TV series where viewers watched Kondo guide clients as they first gathered and then sorted their stuff, category by category, individual item by individual item, clothing first. Taking each possession into their hands, an essential part of the method, the client assessed its joy value, which in turn discerned its future. If it sparked joy, they kept it. If not, they didn't. Despite the use of the words tidying up in the book's title, the method is not really about cleaning or organizing. At its heart, it's about discarding or eliminating excess and keeping only what touches your heart. In an article for the Christian Century, Catherine Reckless, a theology professor at Fordham University, explains that she saw something truly profound, even spiritual, at work in Kondo's method, something that she says sets Kondo apart from all of the other organizational experts. She wrote, and I quote, 
Kondo doesn't want to merely organize your closets. The real work of the KonMari method is transforming people's relationships to things. <laughs> transforming people's relationship to things sounds an awful lot like what Jesus was getting at in the gospel reading for today when he responded to a squabble about dividing an inheritance. The story began with a demand from someone in the crowd who called out to Jesus saying, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Jesus' response was unexpected and likely disappointing. Our Lord said, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? Which was Jesus' way of saying, no, I am not going to get involved in your conflict, nor will I tell your brother how to divide the inheritance. The demand and Jesus' response to it became a teachable moment when Jesus directed his attention to his disciples and spoke these words of caution. Be on your guard against all kinds of evil, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, if the story ended right here with these words of Jesus, it would be reasonable to conclude that this gospel is about how much stuff we have. And Jesus' words would read as an indictment against excess and our human inability to fully rely on God. Remember the lesson with the manna? <laughs> the one that the Israelites learned while they were in the wilderness? The command was to take only what you need. Take any more and save it up, and it would be spoiled the next day. The promise was that there would always be enough, as long as no more than what could be eaten in a single day was taken. Life, Jesus said, does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But the story doesn't end here with these words. Jesus goes on to make his point by telling a parable about a rich man whose land produced abundantly, so much so, in fact, that the good fortune of his abundance resulted in a massive storage problem. In the parable, we learn that the man's solution to his dilemma was to tear down his barns in order to build bigger ones. I suspect that many of us must be able to identify with the man's problem if, according to a recent article in the New York Times, it's true that after a drop in the first half of 2020, self-storage has roared back with occupancy rates and rents at record highs. In fact, it has been reported that the self-storage industry is now $40 billion a year, and it's climbing. Could it be that self-storage facilities are the modern-day equivalent of bigger barns? Maybe, if this parable is about how much stuff you have and where you store it. But let's not forget that as with all parables, there are many entrances into the story and a variety of lessons to be mined 
for our growth. So, what if there's something deeper going on here? What if the heart of the man's problem wasn't just about his stuff? Consider this. What if the man in the story had a far more pressing problem than what to do with his abundance? And for that matter, what if the man who asked Jesus to settle that dispute had a far more pressing problem than the division of the family inheritance? Listen to how Jesus tells the parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Did you hear it? <laughs> the man thinks to himself, and he speaks to himself. In just three verses, he uses the first person singular six times, and that's not counting the implied eyes or the possessive my also used repeatedly. Listen again, my emphasis added. The man said to himself, what should I do? I have no place for my stuff. I know what I will do. I will pull down my barns. I will build bigger barns. I will store my stuff in my barns, and then I will relax. I will eat. I will drink, and I will be merry. The man's problem is not that he has too much stuff. His problem is that he's all alone, isolated, there is only him, a fool, as Jesus calls him, a fool who has no one. That's the real tragedy. Read this way, the parable about bigger barns reveals a deeper, more profound truth. It's not about how much stuff you have or where you keep it. It's about relationships. Your relationship with your stuff, yes, but also your relationship with other people and your relationship with God. The same, you understand, can be said for the one arguing over the inheritance. The real tragedy there was less about an unfairly divided inheritance and more about a strained or a broken relationship between family members. Jesus concludes the parable by calling us to be rich toward God. But he doesn't go on to explain what that looks like. He didn't need to. Not long before he told this parable, our Lord told the parable of the Good Samaritan, which includes these familiar words. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These were the marching orders given to the disciples, and as Christians, they are our marching orders as well. Love God and love others. That is what it looks like to be rich toward God. The way we love others is how we love God.
So Jesus' caution at the beginning of this gospel reading, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, makes sense in a new way. Be on guard should your possessions come between you and others, come between you and God, because life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Jesus came to show us a better way, a way of life that is rich in relationship, a way of life that is abundant in love. Remember this, you, every single one of you is God's greatest treasure, loved and valued beyond all else. May all of your relationships be so rich. Amen.